Hi guys, welcome to the new episode of the Fortline Social Podcast. Uh, today we are interviewing somebody that's not necessarily very like some of the artists that we've done before. So we've got Chloe Agnew from Ireland. Um, she's been in the business since she was sort of six years old. She's gone through all sorts of different genres of music. Um, and we've had a story about her life, what she's up to at the moment, the various different influences that she's had over time, the various different bits that she's singing along to now, um, who she's working with, all the different movements in between. Um, brilliant chat and a real insight into what it means to be an artist um, now, then, and in the future. Right, well, welcome, Chloe. We'll start with WB. It's the brand new single, but it's not just you, is it? To say that. No. It's not. It's a collaborative release. Um, it's it's one of the, the the first ones from the X Collective, which is a new collaborative platform here in Ireland for creators of all kinds. Um, we we have everyone from artists, songwriters, videographers, directors, producers, um, everyone who who you can think that that has a different job and skill set in our, in our industry um, are all part of this wonderful community. And I met my colleague, my songwriter friend, Zaffo, who I wrote WB with just over two years ago at a songwriters camp uh, for Imro here in Ireland. And um, we hit it off straight away and she had this fantastic loop in her, her back pocket and we kind of were working on it and we came up with this this whole concept of this this song and uh, it kind of transformed into this this piece which we initially were writing for a girl band um but it then kind of with the the spirit of the ex collective it morphed into then becoming our own baby and um we we decided to to make it the collaborative release that it is today we brought in incredible talents from the collective amazing musicians um and obviously added the the wonderful voices of of Sunita Gemma Bradley and and Toshin so um it it became as i said it became our own little girl gang vibe and um it's it's been over two years in the works and to finally see it out there in the world is is really really cool we had no idea it would it would become what it is now so it's it's very exciting to see well how did you end up getting involved with the because the collective existed before you joined it is that the right way to phrase it no, it kind of has only came about uh, in in the last year or so, and um, I was really thankful that the girls asked me to to be one of their artists who are involved with the collective, and we're really excited. We ha- we're working super hard on on writing lots of new material and, and and lots of projects in the works for for where the X Collective is to go next, um, and I'm just really thankful to be part of that community. It's like a a support group for everyone in our industry it really is because you know it can feel as an artist certainly as an independent artist in in this ever-evolving ever-changing music industry it's quite an isolating place sometimes and and you can feel like there's a truckload of work that you have to do that on your own can just sometimes be overwhelming to have to try and think you have to do it all by yourself so to have this little mini family and team of 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 resources and different skill sets that you can pull from is amazing um and to just to even have the support as friends like I did a a release there last month of my own just an independent solo release but to see the support it got from that amazing community of people who know what it's like to to have to hustle on your own and put all of those pieces together is is really really cool so um I'm, I'm very thankful that it came about and thankful to be a part of it well it sounds like a, a really fascinating thing because we've spoken to a lot of artists especially, and we will bring it up a little bit, but not too much, hopefully, um, 
mentioned talking about the lockdown and COVID and all that sort of stuff, that a lot of the guys that are on their own, as you say, you've not only got a lot of work to do, sort of promoting yourself and whatever else, but there's that sort of pressure, especially with the amount of time that people have had to be able to kind of, like, oh, I need to use this time properly. And, yeah. um, but it must be, it's, it's a weird counterpoint to what's going on in the rest of the industry, it seems, because we've kind of plucked a trend out that there seems to be a lot more independent solo artists rather than bands, because obviously social distancing, whatever else it might be. But then yeah. here are you guys with this like, what, like 40 plus group almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there were 26 people involved in the making of, of WB. And obviously we, we, we started getting working on this project pre-COVID, pre-lockdown. And last year, you know, we we, we tried so many times to, to try and pull everyone together. And it just, it felt like sometimes it was it was really discouraging because you just thought when are we going to be able to actually get this project over the line and as, as you said yeah there is that that element of thinking maybe now is the right time when when everyone's at home and you want to get something that you is so close to your heart out there in the world but when it physically is impossible to do that um it takes its toll mentally too you know so it, it's we've been like a dog with a bone with this project and and thank god any time we had an opportunity where there was a slight little easing of restrictions and and we were able to do it in a safe controlled environment and we were allowed to do it with under these certain exemptions that we have here um we did we jumped at that opportunity and we just were determined to to get it over the line and get it out there into the world and and i think certainly Certainly with, with 2021, we're all here for, for girl gang energy, you know, and I think we were we were super excited to showcase what it is that the collective is about. Really, it is a collaborative um, platform and a collaborative community. And um, we kind of thought this would be the perfect time and um, the perfect opportunity to showcase what it is that, that, that we're trying to do, you know. Well, it's, it's uh, I mean, the single itself, it's hard to kind of, you don't want to use the phrase girl power because it kind of, it makes it, it references back to sort of, you know, the nineties and all that sort of sure. stuff. It's almost picked up this kind of twee connotation, but it's more than that. Like the, totally. the song itself, it's got a lot more power to it. And it seems a lot more to call it girl power takes away its authenticity, which I don't, want to do but how do you feel about it i'm a massive spice girls fan so (laughs) you could call a girl power for days and i wouldn't take insult to that (laughs) but yeah i hear what you're saying we're we're all for for big female energy is what we'll call it how about that like the 2021 version of of, of it's it's almost like girl power 2.0 if you want to yeah so like how do you how do you feel being involved in that now like bringing that through Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I, I think certainly right now we're 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 t- there's in the media here at home in Ireland and in the UK too. You know, Amelda May, um, who is just an artist who I'm I'm I love. I'm obsessed with her. But she has broken records here for being the first female in I think over five years to have a, a number one album in Ireland. And she's spoken out about the fact that the experiences, the outdated views that she's experienced in the industry. She was quite vocal about it that she was told, you know 
women over the age of 40, she's she's wasting her time making music. And I too have experienced, I've been talking about it this week quite a lot. I've experienced that kind of sexism, that ageism. And um, and even now with the there's a why not her movement here in Ireland, which is highlighting the gender disparity in, in radio here. And so there's it's 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 amazing that a lot of women are speaking up about their experiences and dealing with that. And I think now with this project, we've been so uh, close to it over the last two years but it feels like now the fact that it's coming out into the world just when everybody is really talking about this and and um and it's it's kind of the forefront of people's minds I feel really proud to be involved in as I said a predominantly female driven project um my life has revolved around working with with incredibly talented women um you know from from my Celtic woman days uh, and now to be moving into the ex-collective world and 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 just meeting more of them is is really fantastic and 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 having an opportunity to showcase what we do both individually and collectively uh it's 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 a dream do you think it's more of an issue in Ireland um the lack of sort of female representation, like you say, in sort of radio or whatever it is, do you think it's more prevalent or do you think it's, you know, do they feel like half a step behind or is it? I, I, I don't know because I, I'm, I adore Ireland. I think we're fantastic. I think we're a wonderful nation of, of, of people. Um, so I, it's hard to know. I certainly know I'm only speaking from experience of what's been highlighted here. Yes. In our country. I can't say that I'm, 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 knowledgeable enough to, to talk of, of comparing it to other countries in the world. Um, but I do think there's a shift and there's a change. And um, what's been amazing is the amount of, of, of male colleagues who are all getting behind us and, and actually saying, yeah, I've experienced that too. I was only talking to a songwriter friend of mine uh, last week who told me that he himself when it came up to, to organizing a session, one other guy was very vocal and saying, I don't want any women in the session. And he was the one who fought against that and went, well, you know what? I'm not going to work with you, bro, if that's going to be your attitude. And I think that's amazing that he knows that there are, look at Ruth Ann Cunningham. She's one of the, the biggest female songwriters in the world, has written tracks for for incredible artists. And, and she's one of our own. She's she's an amazing Irish songwriter. So, you know, I think, it, yeah, you know, we I think growing up, looking to women in in that place of like looking for female producers looking for female bass players looking for female arrangers you know we didn't have a lot of that to look to growing up but now they're they're everywhere you know and you look at Emer Noon who is an incredible arranger composer and she was one of the first women to to conduct at the Oscars last year like amazing things that that Irish women are doing um and I, I'm I'm very proud to to see it happening because I think it's it's long overdue and it just it gives young girls now growing up in the industry somewhere to look to somebody to look to and and to be inspired by and, and to want to follow in those footsteps well I think that's the crucial part so I don't think it matters what industry it is whether it's Exactly. I really think about like astronauts and stuff or whether it's yeah. stars you need to see that being done I think and the more you have out there, the more you're going to foster the next generation to come. Absolutely. And with that in mind, who was it for you? Because obviously you started off at a very young age um, in the industry. Um, but who was it for you that you thought, I mean, obviously family would have probably come first, I imagine. That would yeah. have been a good example. 
Yes, my mom. Um, I mean, my mom was was um, one of the, the the first women on TV here in Ireland uh, to to be a, a, a well known comedian, actress, singer, dancer. She was here in the early stages of TV um, in a, a male dominated um, world, you know. So I really and I I always saw her um, fight against that growing up, you know, and, and to see her be the producer of big shows, to see her write shows, to see her direct shows was really inspiring to me. And, and she's an amazingly feisty character. She takes no prisoners. And, and to see that, knowing that she is that way because of what she's had to fight against her whole life and her career, um, it was really inspiring to me growing up. And I think that it started in the home. Um, and then going on, like, as I said, to, to joining a group like Celtic Woman, uh, I was only 14 joining that show. And, and you look around and you see women who, who are older than me and ex- more experienced than me and so um, good at what they do. That was so inspiring to, to, to bask in all of their talent and their experience and learn from that. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing part of my life, I think, of, of, of learning from, from women who I've, I've had the chance to work quite closely with and live with <laughs> as my mama <laughs> well, did you ever feel that so I think sometimes you see it where it's it's almost an inevitability that sort of children sort of you know like child stars or children of people that are already in the industry um you kind of they do do it for a little bit and then there seems to be this huge gap where either they've seen the other side of the curtain and they don't like what the effects of the industry have or yeah. you know the, the dangers of fame but you don't you've missed that gap you've not disappeared and then come back later <laughs> you've kind of stayed with it so how like how well it's it's tough because I think yeah there is absolutely when you start out so young in the industry um you you see a lot you experience a lot and there's a chance where there is a stage where you get a little bit burnt out from it and then if that's where you've made your fame and your career people almost don't want to see you grow up you know they only want to remember you as that so then now moving into things that maybe are a little bit more mature or or different from what they know you from people are often not accepting of that and I mean I still get people who comment on my things going oh I preferred her voice when I when she was in Celtic Woman and I was like yeah because that's because I was 15 I was 16 it was a boy soprano very young childlike sound I there's nothing I can do about the fact that I'm now a 31 year old woman whose voice is going to mature and change and and from a a personal and professional point of view you want to evolve right you want to try and experience moving into different worlds and see what you can learn and and, and where you can grow Um, but often other people are not as accepting of that so I kind of I just have been persistent in that I just haven't stopped I you know I I, after Celtic Woman um, I I will say I, I was a little freaked out and burnt out for a while because I had been touring essentially for nearly the best part of a decade with the group um, and starting so young when it came to me stopping and deciding I wanted to move on to something else I suddenly when I left that bubble didn't really know who I was outside of Celtic Woman you know so it, it took a, a, a moment for me to take a little pause and go right well, what is it that you want and you need to find a new connection with music how are you going to do that so I threw myself into to songwriting I threw myself into a load of different worlds um, and, and an 
initially kind of was afraid that people go, oh, she does a little bit of this. She does a little bit of this genre. Like my world has been very diverse in in the the kind of collaborations that I've done and the people I've worked with. But I want to say that that's all helped me really come to a place in my life where I kind of go, you know what, I don't care because it's all felt really good to me. And I've learned something from it, um, both on stage and off stage. And um, just, I think it is that old adage, even if it's as cliched as it sounds, it's kind of to just keep on keeping on you know, and just doing you, it really is. Um, and, and, and not letting it, and it's easier said than done because as I said, only this week, even talking about Imelda, when she said the, the thing about people telling her over her age, you know, that she should, there was no point in it. I too only recently had an experience where somebody had, had said to me, um, in a meeting, a music exec that I was really excited about potentially working with, they asked me what age I was. And when I told them I was 31, they told me they'd prefer me if I was 21. So, and, and, you know, didn't take me on, ultimately rejected me. And and that at the time, it did really hurt. It, 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 it broke me a little bit. And then you have to kind of go, well, you know what? Screw you. I'm picking myself up. I'm going to keep on doing me. And, and, and then when somebody like Imelda comes along and does that last week, it, it just... It, it reaffirms your your faith in doing what you're doing and, and not to listen to those people. As, as hard as that is, I'll be the first one to put my hand up and say, you know, it's easier said than done. But you you kind of just have to to keep doing you and also just get into the place of realizing if it's not if it doesn't work and it fails, then fine. That's not the end of the world. Pick yourself up and try something different and move on to the next thing. You know, I mean, you get those stories all the time um, where people who are kind of at their last ebb and they're like, right, nothing's worked. I'm out of the industry, whether it's music, yeah. acting, whatever. And then it's that next phone call or that next conversation that oh, all of a sudden propels it and starts it off again. But yeah. I was going to say to you, um, do people have this perception that you're kind of much older than you are because they've seen you in the industry and around for so long, but obviously yeah. you started, but then when you just said that they basically rejected you because, and they knew you were 31, that yeah. seems insane yeah. anyway. I was like, it doesn't yeah. even matter if they did think you were older because <laughs> when you tell them the real answer, they still say no. It's crazy. Yeah, totally. I, I don't know. Um, good question. I mean, I have some people who, who yeah, are surprised by it. and But then I think at the same time, people know I've been I've been doing this since I was a, a little girl. So, and a lot of time has passed since then. <laughs> but the years do fly by, you know. It's like, it's, like it's, it's kind of 50-50 between... People who must still see you as, you know, yes, sort of like an eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old girl, or whatever, um, and then the others that think, God, now she must be however old, you know. Um, yeah, but it's funny how their perception changes as well. Going back to even as you you said, the the um, evolving into different projects is is that you know there are some people like I'm blessed that I've got the most amazing group of fans who just they're always there they'll always support whatever it is that I do and and it, to have know that I have that is really cool because my world has been quite as I said diverse and 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 I've worked in a load of different projects that are, are very different one from the next and there's that core group of fans who just get behind you whatever it is and they're and they think it's cool that you're actually being versatile and you're doing different things and as I said to you then there are always the begrudgers there's always the people who go 
I wish you weren't doing this. You should be doing this. You know, and it's and it's so easy when those those negative comments start coming in. It's so easy to focus on those, even though they're a minority of a of a majority of people who actually are behind you. Um, but it's it's trying to just remember that that at the end of the day, if it feels good to you, do it. You know. I mean, it's one of those. Sometimes you'd like to think that it's in a nice way. So, say you've got fans that are much more of a fan of the traditional thing and they kind of want to keep you in that area. They want to be like, please keep bringing these albums out. But then you're like, well, I need to expand and do this yeah. other stuff. Yeah. So and I think for me, it's possible? like, I'm not going to stop doing those. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to still be involved in that world. But, hey, I, I kind of want to try this thing too. And I kind of want to do this. And, you know, they're all a, a little pieces of fabric in my quilt. And, and that's how I like to look at it, you know, and, and hope that people don't just cut you off as soon as they see you doing something that they might not like, you know? And I always say that I was like, what, whatever you're doing, it might not be their cup of tea, but it might be somebody else's. And you know, that's what I keep trying to remind myself of all the time. Well, did you ever feel sort of pigeonholed? Cause you've kind of had oh, totally. different areas to pop you into. So like the sort of the child star thing and then yeah. more, well, no, you're, you're part of this traditional world instead. And you're actually, no, you, you're supposed to be doing this now. Do you feel yeah. like you've had to break out each time or is it as it felt more of an organic path for you? Yeah, well, because it's tough because that's what this industry is and it does. It wants to know what box they can put you in. Um, and and often, like, I don't want to just stay in that one box. If I feel like I, I, I can do other things and I want to do other things, I, I, I'm a big believer in thinking life is too short and you never know what by trying that other different thing you never know where that's going to lead you and 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 where that can maybe be the turning point in your life and your career that either works or doesn't um but you got to try it to know that um but and and by being pigeonholed whether it is the buzzwords like branding and your all of that i i understand from a from a technical business side of point of view that's what that relates to for me is because they want to know how to market you they want to know what category on Spotify to put your genre under they want to know you know and I I appreciate that but at the same time I'm 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 a big believer in 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 wanting to try different things because they feel good to you and um yeah so I I don't really believe in that pigeonhole thing and I don't think I ever will (laughs) I did for a long time I was scared of it and I thought oh I can't do this. I can't do that because they need to know what title to put on me. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I'm I'm fed up with that. I don't want a title. I want to be able to try whatever it is that I want to be able to try. I mean, that's the thing. It, yeah, sure, it makes it easier. Like, even for me now, I can say, you know, oh, soul mm-hmm. singer or, you know, sure. rock band or whatever it yeah. is. Like, I can yeah. tag them onto something. But, like, yeah. I mean, did you ever we, – so we interviewed somebody um, on our podcast a few weeks ago who – had been in a kind of, like, I'd call it, basically she'd been in a band of one genre and then she left and did something that she'd always kind of wanted to do, but had never really done, totally different type of music. Have you ever kind of felt that, that you're in doing whatever it is that you're doing and there's always something in the background that you thought, right, I really, I need to get away from this and go and do that? Honestly, this new release with WB, this R&B soul thing was so fun to explore and and to dig into because as my voice has matured and my appreciation for different genres of music and different artists, um, soul has come 
to the forefront, you know, it really has that and, and country. And I'm actually glad that again, they're so two totally different things, but I've gotten to work with Nathan Carter and we've gotten to do some fabulous country stuff together. And then I've gotten to work with um, a bluegrass group in America, which, you know, again, that kind of in my world ties itself more into the trad uh, Celtic kind of scene. Um, but then I've also done some like classical stuff with the Atlanta Pops Orchestra and now this soul project. And, and to have an opportunity to kind of write a song that's more funk, that's more soul, it was something that I've wanted to do for a long time, which is why this project is, is very different to anything that I have done before. But it feels good. And it's it's kind of sparked a whole load of little light bulbs in my head of other ideas now of, of, of maybe that more soulful thing that I want to explore as my voice gets a little bit older. Um, and again, for me, I just look at it as another thing on the list that I want to try and, and want to give a go to. Uh, and, and because of that, I've now met this whole other world of really talented musicians, talented performers that that they are so much more um, experienced in that world. And I'm learning from that all the time. And uh, I love it. So yeah, it's been a really fun challenge to, to take on and, and just to do something different. Well, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, the more you move into different sort of, I hate to use the phrase, but different genres and different areas, you're going to sort of flag yourself up to various different parts totally. that don't Absolutely. have the chance to cross over. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, obviously, being a vocalist, it's different to say you've only ever been taught to play the guitar in one way or you can mm -hmm. only ever play in this band. As a vocalist, a voice can be used in, like you say, in any different genre. I mean, you've done about six or eight in that, that little sentence there about where you yeah. come to. Um, but I think that comes down to the fact that I grew up in a musical household and, and, um, and my parents exposed me from a very young age to every kind of genre you could imagine. You know, we, we had loads of different types of music playing in my house growing up. So I, I got to, from a young age, I think soak in the sounds of different genres and 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 know what what vocal does in certain ways to sound that way you know and I think what's been interesting for me is is not morphing your or or changing your voice but actually allowing your voice to be the one common thread between all of those genres that that you you sing you know and I think songwriting has taught me that that you can you have the ability to write and produce whatever sound and song you wanted to, to fit into. So then the voice is going to be the one common thread on top of that, that, that keeps it consistent for me. You know, the soundscape around it can change, but once your voice is staying true um, and you've grown up listening to it, you know the little inflections and you know all of the places that it feels naturally right to do those things with whatever genre it is that you're working on, you know? Well, that's the thing, because I always say with like a band, um, in terms of like the sound of it, ignore the creativity side and everything else. But obviously the lead singer is the hardest thing to replace because you're either going to have to try and replicate it as much as you can, or yeah. you go for something completely different entirely. So yeah. it, seems, it always seemed crazy to me that people will sort of, like you say, not let the voice be the central part, but change mm -hmm. it to fit everything else. And it's like, well, no, yeah. that's the one thread, that's your one strength. Why would you be then hacking yeah. out bits of that to change yeah. it off? Yeah. Um, so then, as we were talking about your sort of influences and what you were exposed to, if you were like, say, five years old with a hairbrush in front of your mirror, who is yeah. it that you're singing as? Who are you listening oh to? Oh, my gosh. 
again, I don't even know where to start because my world was so varied growing up. You know, we listened. I I, I loved the Dixie Chicks. I loved the Ramones. I loved Celine Dion. I loved Maria Callas. I loved like very, very different artists and musicians. And, and so I would be, that's why I always said even growing up, I would never hand my iPod over or my playlist over to somebody because God only knows what you'd get from one song to the next, (laughs) you know? So I was so influenced by, by the Carpenters, like old school sounds too. Ella Fitzgerald, I mean, great old school vocalists that, that, um, those sounds are, are all embedded in, in what it is that I do. Um, so very varied, you know, Celine Dion was a huge inspiration to me as a powerhouse vocalist growing up. Um, and, and so completely different mix of sounds. You'd never know what I'd be singing from one day to the next. And it certainly wasn't Baba Black Sheep. <laughs> you feel like it's changed much, the stuff that you listen to? Because um, I know there's always an element where you kind of carry your early whoever your early musical influences are or whoever you first listen to, you kind of carry them with you. But have you changed much? Are the the new things now, like with your sort of exploration as to who you're going to work with in the areas, are you now picking up different things? You are like, Oh, I like that. Like, where are you, what are you listening to now? Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, in, in more recent years, the likes of Sarah Bareilles, I adore her because I just think as a, as a, a vocalist, but as a songwriter, she's just, unparalleled in my world I think she's just amazing other incredible songwriters like Declan O'Rourke one of our greats out of Ireland um and then when you look at the stuff that's that's charting nowadays the likes of Ed Sheeran and Adele and all of those like you know thoughtful songwriters who are, are writing songs that once you listen to it you go you're you're telling my story or that's you know that that speaks to me because the voice and the the lyrics just marry so well that that's why it, it, you connect with it you know and I um, so I'm always fascinated by by the, the music industry of, of who co- comes out from one one month year to the next. I mean, look at Lewis Capaldi, you know, incredible to see this young guy, amazing character and his music. I'm I'm such a fan of it because I just think it's clever, really thoughtful, real, real human songwriting. Um, and then when you pa- when you pair that big vocal with it, it 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 makes you feel all the feels, you know. And um, so definitely it's 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 been a joy in my world to fall in love with new artists, new musicians, new songwriters all the time. And and then working with different people, you'll always discover somebody new because somebody will say yeah. to you, do you have you ever listened to blah? I'll send you their playlist. I'll send you this. You need to listen. You know, it, it's it's amazing kind of different people you, you you fall in love with because of who you you work with you know do you find it's really good now oh yeah do you want to skip? <laughs> sorry yeah. there we are that's right um yeah. do you find it do you like because we talk a lot about the kind of the modern era of music and how different it is versus how it used to i mean just the mechanics of how it used to get done in the older days to how things mm-hmm. happen now i mean obviously you'd normally ask this question to somebody much older than yourself, but because you've been in the industry for that long, how do you feel it's changed since the beginning to like now? I was going to say what's, what's crazy is that I'm, you know, in this business professionally since I was, I was 12, obviously with Celtic woman, 14, but I've seen a change in that time. Like when you look at the success of Celtic woman, that was pre Spotify, early days of iTunes, no Netflix, no YouTube, you know, those, those new technology of what that has done to music has, has changed the face of it in the time that 
I've been performing in the industry. Um, and even in the last five years, six years with, with giants of the big music platforms coming on board of how that has shifted the nature of what artists and musicians do. And then you look at a year like last year where I came home at the beginning of, of last year um, to Ireland and I was toasting with my family to, I felt like I had really hustled really hard for the last couple of years to line up a year that looked like last year in the diary. It just, live music and touring felt so in such a good place to me. I ha I hadn't had a year like that in the diary. And, um, you know, in the last couple of years, it really, that's where I've made my living has been having to get out on the road and having to tour because the music, the money is just not in those physical sales or, or, or in downloads or, or, you know, from music platforms anymore. It's just not there. So you have to rely on the support of people coming to live gigs and, and buying your merch and, and following you, you know, and, and then when that shifts like last year, it, it, it definitely scares you and it makes you go, I, I feel like music was in a really good place up to last year. And, and it's, it's scary. And I, I know I'm not the only one who's, who's saying that. I think even from, from behind the scenes, the amount of incredible crew I work with audio, uh, you know, lighting guys, roadies who whose lives last year just felt like they were all completely decimated because they had had all so much work lined up for the year. Um, I can only hope because of this this whole crazy turn of events in this last year, people have relied so much on arts to keep them sane during lockdown they've relied on their music on their television on on radio that for for what they can have as as access to the things that have calmed them or helped them in 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 the madness of everything else so I can only hope I certainly know I'm dying to go to a live gig I can't wait to go back and I'll pay whatever I have to to go and do that so I really hope that despite it being such a scary shift for for people in the entertainment industry this last year I really hope when we come back we're going to come back bigger and better than ever that people will have a newfound appreciation for what it is that that arts and entertainment is to them. I hope they flock to their venues. I hope they support artists that they've they've been listening to and the artists who've been keeping them sane for the last year. I really do hope that that it will be a positive turn for, for us now. And I think there's a, a lot of great things like the Broken Record campaign and artists now even speaking out about how broken there are elements of our industry, you know, of, of artists not being able to make the living that they once did from music. Um, and I, I think there's a shift and a change happening. And I can only hope that if there's one positive to come out of this is that when we come back, we're, we are going to come back bigger and better than ever. I do hope that. Well, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it seems like a strange circumstance of events. Like effectively they, almost demonetized the actual ownership of records and, you know, going out and you don't have to go out and buy music anymore. It's just mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And then obviously circumstances beyond that in terms of COVID, obviously mm -hmm. then ripped apart all of the, the sort of the mechanics for musicians to make any money out of it. Um, it just and felt then like a has been dangerous too, in that, you know, artists were almost in some ways forced to give away all of your talent and your content for free between live streams, between trying to, you know, get your, your music and what you do out there, putting it out online has kind of been the only 
outlet we've had to be able to do that. And there, it worries me that there was a little dangerous precedent being set there that people are getting so much content for free all the time is that how do you then ask them to pay for it again? You know, and the amount of people who like... It's 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 funny sometimes and then sometimes it infuriates me is that I can't I can't go to a wedding or a funeral without somebody going, ah, Chloe, give us a song. <laughs> you can't be in a party without somebody give us a song. And you kind of go, this is my job. This is actually my profession. And yeah. if you're an accountant, I don't sit and look at you and go, here, will you take a quick look at my books real quick? Do you mind? Or if you're a taxi driver, I don't ask you to give you, me a lift home on your night off. You know, so it's it's funny the perception of what people have with music. And, and it's that old line of, you know, you get a real job, but people don't ever yeah. see the, 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 the fact that arts and entertainment is what actually, that's what it does pay your bills. And sometimes it's hard to pay them because you're giving away so much for free or you're being asked and expected to do things for free. Like the amount of promotional opportunities I've had because it's good exposure, you know, yeah. but good exposure doesn't pay my band. And I've come out of, I've come out of opportunities out of great TV placement, radio placement, and I'm the only one who doesn't get paid. I have to pay everybody and I take the gig for free because I need to what? Promote my show or my single or whatever it is, you know? So I, I, I think it, that's tough. That's the side of the industry that people don't see unless you're on that side of it, you yeah. know, because they see a picture go up on your social media and they think, oh, you're living the dream. And, and yes, it's fantastic. I appreciate that. But there is so much other stuff that I think um, artists are subjected to, we have to we have to deal with that that uh, is is unfair, you know, that other industries and other professions don't. I know people who, who won't get out of bed unless they're getting paid, you know, whereas artists sometimes don't have the opportunity to do that because a, a little part of you has to try sell yourself and and, and that comes at an expense. Mentally, um, no, yeah, nobody would do it. Nobody would work, like get to the end of the week to get paid and then they're like, no, no, you've done that for free. Yeah. You enjoy the exposure, yeah. you know. Yeah. You don't eat exposure, yeah. you don't build a house out of it. Yeah. But you are right, it is the only thing. I mean, we, um, me and the guys that we do the podcast and we've got a, a music website where we review stuff, we do that all for free. And yeah. you do get to, like you said, you do get to that point where you're kind of like, well, not only do you wonder when do we get to the point where we would ask for money, but then on the other side, is it's kind of like, I mean, differently for us, it's sort of, is there then an obligation then? Like if we if we get paid sure. for a review, is it like, well, are you going to be honest in that review? Who's yeah, going to pay you for an honest for sure. review? It's not great, you know. Yeah, um, I think sure. the only industry where money becomes not only a bit of a like a swear word in certain senses, uh -huh. but it also has all this obligation and everything else tied in with it. Um, yeah. yeah. How did it feel sort of um, – how do you feel as a consumer? So knowing the kind of the the – the sort of the evils behind the curtain does that make you a bit more selective in who you but like do you not use spotify as much or do you think oh i, yeah, should, I, I should go and buy this like <laughs> do you have that obligation now yeah i don't i i only subscribe i've been resisting the system for as long as i could i only subscribed recently because i actually wanted it was the only place i could find somebody's music who i wanted to listen to so i had to but no i'm a big advocate for if, if somebody's an artist friend of mine somebody who i love i go to itunes i buy it i go to the live show i'll go to the merch table i'll buy the physical cd i'll buy the lp i i will um and that's that's bred into me from from my parents um and and 
and um, from from really good people who I admire and respect in the industry who who you know have taught me that appreciation for pay for what it is that you like you know don't don't take advantage of of that just because it's there on YouTube for free doesn't mean that that's the one place you should go and listen to it you know go and actually put it in your your iTunes library go and support the artist in whatever way it is that you can so I'm a I'm a big advocate for that yeah Oh, thank God. Because if you were like, no, 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 I don't buy anything, I'd have been like, oh, God. Um, so <laughs> we're talking about the gigs. Um, so if we take sort of reality even off the table, let's say, um, so location, money, like actual band, no no object spared, who do you want to go and see? Like, who's the first gig that you want to go? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, oh, I was supposed to see Willie Nelson last year in, in Memphis, and that really devastated me that, that, that we, got, we were flown home a week before I was going to see him. And he'd be on my list of people I would really, really love to see. Um, who else? My God, Elton John and Billy Joel. I would love to. I saw Elton years and years ago, but that was another one that I really, Billy Joel was one last year I was I was going to go see. Um, so if, if any of those greats come back, I'm, I'm be the first person in line to get a ticket. I really will. Uh, and some other great artists I've discovered during lockdown. Uh, uh, Donny Benet, amazing artist from Australia. Uh, he was supposed to be in Ireland performing last year. Really wanted to see him. Um, Bicep are a great duo from the north of Ireland, a dance uh, DJ duo, and they were supposed to do a show. So there's a couple of artists. I've got a long list. I'm going to be broke by the end <laughs> of next year because I'm just going to spend all my money I have on going to support arts and it's really whatever about supporting the uh the artists it is also about supporting the venues it's the venues and the people who make music happen for artists they're the ones who I want to I want to flock back to and support um because I've been feeling for them this 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 last year too it's it's been just as hard as it has been for us so well, it'll be it actually probably will be dependent on venues too I'll, I'll just if there's a, ven- a gig on with somebody who I don't even know but it's it's on in a venue that I love. I'm I'm probably going to go. Yeah, that, that's my day job is um, hospitality. So um, yeah, it's been having been off work since the start of November until sort brutal. of like a couple of weeks ago has been brutal, yeah. weird. Yeah. Never been off work for that long in any shape or form. But um, yeah. so who would you say? So obviously we've talked about some of the bigger names and whatever else. And well, if I probably sat and wrote them down, we've probably mentioned about 30, 40 artists. But have you got one that's kind of like, you know, we had the, that conversation where you said somebody will say to you, oh, have you heard this? So mm-hmm. like, who would it be? Who would you be saying to somebody, oh, have you heard this person? Who's your kind of little ace in the hole kind of, you know, secret? Question. Oh, my goodness. I, my brain is bombarded with the amount of people who have been sent to me recently. Um, yeah, I'm really sorry for asking you this because you yeah, know everybody else that you don't get. <laughs> um, there's a load of incredible Irish artists uh, that I, that have been been sent my way over the last that the last year. I've fallen in love with uh, Dan Elliott's music, a couple of the artists that are in, in the X Collective. Um, my friend only sent me Tom Grennan the other day. I was like, whoa, he's what a vocalist, what a writer. My guy, I, I don't know what planet I've been living on or, or what rock I've been under. But uh, I only I, I hadn't him. heard of him until somebody else that I interviewed said that he loves his albums. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I realised yeah. he's actually quite big and he, he was on like I know. Time TV and I was like, oh, good. Yeah, I, I, he was one that I, I I wasn't aware of and my, my best friend only sent me his his music the other day and I was like, 
whoa, this is phenomenal. Um, so a couple of them, yeah, that, that, that are on the list. And I mean, you see the likes of the Olivia Rodriguez's and those kind of young artists who are blowing up now. And, and um, it, it's amazing to see. So, yeah, I've got a couple of them. Would you have preferred to have sort of started off in the industry now or would you were you happier with the time that you did start? Do you think it's maybe easier now or harder now or? Um, I think it is harder now in a lot of ways. Yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, people say it's it's easier because yes, anybody can upload their music to any platform. You can put your videos out on YouTube. You can build your social media platform, and that's amazing that we have that now that we didn't have that then but at the same time it's a lot harder to find your place in all of that too um because there is just so much out there that you're constantly as a solo artist you're just constantly trying to burrow your own little lane and just just try and stay in it and figure out how you can get what it is that you do out to a mass audience so it's it's tough i think i think it is is harder now and as we just were talking about of the reality of of artists making the living that you you once were able to through physical sales um is no longer there so it, it's it that figuring out like there's so many amazing artists who all we all have to do two or three other things to be able to to support what it is that we really want to do um and I, I think that's that's changed the nature of that I think you know you, you when you when you when there was more money in in artists actually um, making music and, and and benefiting from it, I I, I don't know. I, I can't say what music was like fifty years ago because I wasn't around. But um, I do think it feels tougher to me now. Certainly from when I started in in Celtic Woman days, because I think as I said, we we didn't have all of those other big things to compete with. So people's only access to um, your music was by going to a physical store and buying the record or by supporting their local PBS station so they could have access to finding you. Now they can find you for free and and, and to, to fight through all of that noise is is hard. Yeah. Well, it's because we obviously when we do sort of discuss these things, it kind of comes up a lot, um, is how self-driven you have to be and not in terms of the obvious, which is, just having the drive to actually go and keep going and keep going. But how every time that I speak to a, a new artist, they basically, they have to do their own promotion. They have to do all their social media obligations and Absolutely. you've got to keep doing this. And obviously every second that you spend doing these other bits are bits that you're not spending sitting, writing, playing, singing, yeah. whatever it happens yeah. to be. And it almost like the, the individual workload has gone up immeasurably oh. by the sounds of it. Massively, like, and I feel at the moment there's not enough hours in the day for me to do all of the things that I have to do as an independent artist. And I'm lucky in that I'm involved in a load of different projects, but trying to stay on top of them when you're doing everything yourself is really, really tough. And and again, then optics are, are a huge thing, right? Of that, yes, it's amazing to be involved in all of these different things, but often it 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 appears so much more glamorous and and you know, fantastic than the reality of what it actually is. I've had so many times people have said to me, oh, Chloe, you're killing it because they're judging it on, on, on the photos and the things that I'm putting out there. That's fantastic. But you, you don't, they don't know that on the other side of it, you're going, 
I'm sleep deprived. I, I'm hustling against this machine that's really hard to try and find my place in. I'm struggling to pay my rent because I've got expenses going out left, right and center. Like all of those different things that artists have to deal with and compete with and, and at the same time keep up this appearance that you can do it all and you have to be able to do it all because somebody else is doing it and they're getting on and they're successful. And you know, it is that comparison is the thief of joy. It's one of my favorite lines is because you're constantly looking at what everybody else is doing and trying to fight for for your place to be able to do it too and feel the pressure that you have to do it because nobody else is going to do it for you. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have any success if you don't hustle as hard as you possibly can. And, and it's, it's that side of it that I think people there's an a, a, they presume things are handed to you or that your life is this kind of glamorous thing because you're in show business or you're an artist you know but there is there's a side to it exactly like as you said that you are your own machine and some days that that's that's really tough and some days it's great and it feels like the most rewarding feeling in the world because you only have yourself to thank or to blame <laughs> you exactly, know yeah it's well i think that because that was the that was the the ethos and that's how the the industry worked wasn't it you would have the massive machine of like the record label that would do everything for you and i think that perception now is well it's it's as, it's as dead as you know like we were saying like physical record sales and all that sort of stuff yeah. it's like all yeah. the staples of the industry seem to have in fact it's hard to think of another industry that's had so many of its sort of core central points just completely yeah. over time yeah. i can't think of another industry that's like that no, because as you said, there's a lot of factors involved as well in, in, in being an artist. You know, there's a lot of costs involved in doing that. And that's why artists are forced to sometimes have to do everything themselves because they are not like, they're, you know, for me, like you, you can't play all of the instruments. So you have to hire all the musicians for the track. You have to hire the producer for it. You have to hire the mixer and master. Then you need to work on hiring a PR team, a manager, a, um, you know, like all of those different things artists sometimes you can't afford to to, to do all of those things so it, it it comes at a cost of your art because you know you are forced to have to try and do a lot of the business side of it yourself because you just can't afford or justify to 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 spend that money on it and um I, I think that can be can be yeah quite a minefield for for people to have to try and to, to handle by themselves you know well, I think it's going to be weird so a lot of the kind of old-fashioned tell-all books about these big rock bands from like the 70s and whatever i think they're going to end up dying a death because the artists now when somebody does peel back the veneer and go god it's just a lot of graft like yes. you know, you're not yeah. going to have an interesting story about you sat in a in a hotel room at 3 a.m going through your yeah. social medias doing yeah. all the you know likes and shares and whatever else you've got to do yeah. is anybody going to want to read that that business side of it it, it takes up all of the creative space in your brain that you, as you just said, you're supposed to be using that space in your brain to do the, the art side of it, of the actual creativity. And, and sometimes the business side of it, 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 it can take away from that because it, because it's the, the soul destroying part. It's, it's that side of it that, you know, sometimes can make the, 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 the part that you're supposed to love and enjoy so much, um, it, it, it takes away from that. It detract, you know, it detracts from the joy of it. So that it's constantly that fight, I think, between the two of reminding yourself that 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 two hours on on stage at the end of the day, they're the two 
easiest hours of the day for me when I actually get to sing yeah. and make music. It's it's everything else around that. That's the hustle, you know. Well, how much it makes you appreciate, like you say, that what used to have been what would have been seen as the work part. So yes. like whether in the studio or on stage, whatever it is, it probably makes you appreciate that a hell of a lot more because that oh, isn't the work absolutely. part anymore, like you say. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the part that you've been working for and working towards. So it is reminding yourself then that you just enjoy that bit, you know, and, and soak it all in because tomorrow is a new day of starting all the other stuff again, <laughs> you know. So speaking of that then, do you find it hard to do, do you find it harder to write now? Is it trying to pencil in the, like, the little windows to get it done or do you quickly have to stop and go, wait, no, that sounds... Good. I'll write that down. Yeah. Combo of both. It's funny. Like I will realize that some weeks will pass and I haven't done a writing session and I, I, I feel like, Oh, I need to, I need to actually make time for that and, and, and set it up because I need to, to do something creative. That's not just the, the business slog side of it. Um, and, and it's, it's very easy to, to let that time pass. And, and at the same time, because you have to make a living, you have to, to work. And often, you know, I would, I would love to just sit around and write songs all day, every day. Um, but the, the reality of it is you, you have to do all of the other work around it and to make it pay. Um, so it's, it, you have to carve out that time. And I think, a friend said to me recently which was really interesting a songwriter friend he said you know songwriting is like a, a dirty tap you got to turn it on you got to let all the crap dirty water flow first until all the clean good stuff actually starts coming out of you um and and it, that is that you've got to kind of stay at it and it's easy for times for periods to just pass where you just don't feel that motivation you don't feel that creativity and certainly for me last year when my world turned upside down and, and, you know, between just like beginning of February through kind of to June, July, I had just shy of a hundred dates between, you know, work going back out on the road with Celtic woman and all of my own dates. And when I got 12 shows in and I was flown home and my world turned upside down, there were a period of months where I just didn't feel creative. I didn't want to ride at all. My head was so clouded with anxiety and worry and stress and confusion about what was going on I I just didn't write at all and I ran away from it I didn't want to know about writing music and then it really took um a friend of mine to kind of say to me you know what you need to, to channel this into something let's actually use that and 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 just give it a go and try and and focus on that and it was funny because when I once I started then there was no stopping me and I suddenly soon realized that yes writing sessions or recording online or over Zoom is, is never going to be the same as creating the same magic and energy in a room, but it's got a whole other kind of energy and, and an experience and things that you can learn from it. And it's been a, a blessing because I've gotten to work with people in different parts of the world whose our paths would never have crossed before. And we've never met each other in person, but because we now have this ability to be able to still do what we do, um, it is, is really really been it's been fantastic and and I've I feel like over the last year I've I've collaborated and I've I've been involved in in more projects probably than I have been in the last five years um and I'm just waiting for them all to kind of find their place out there it's it's been exciting feeling like I've written more music than I've ever written and I've I'm, I've met more people in my world virtually <laughs> not in person but I've been able to collaborate and, and and do really exciting things that I I I'm hope I'm thankful in some way as as bizarre 
this last year has been and, and, and lots of highs and lows, probably more lows than highs. Um, but now I'm feeling like there's there's light at the end of the tunnel and that maybe now there's there's a hope that all of the things that I have done and learned over the last year are going to find a home and, and find a place. Well, that brings us perfectly to... Um, if we take it as written that there won't be any more sort of retractions, we start going back into more restrictions and all that rubbish. What's your plan for now? Like what, what's, what's on the horizon? Well, what's been really exciting is, is obviously having a lot of music that I've written, but I've kind of been merging also into a different world because I had to, I, I had to find something else to do with my, my time and, and, and where I want to go next. And I, the irony of it is because I've been touring since I was, a teenager for up to nine, 10 months of my year, I have been looking for other things that that don't involve me living out of a suitcase to make a living, you know? Um, and this last year has afforded me that. I've had an opportunity to do some more television work. I've um, had an opportunity to work on a couple of things that are not music related that I have in the works. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about that, about seeing what, where my life can kind of go next that that isn't totally revolved around music you know um so we'll see i'm i'm hopeful to try and get it maybe do some more tv work maybe do some some radio stuff i'm really hell-bent on i'm trying to start a my own little line of of um products and stuff so i'm i'm excited about where i go next just figuring out how to do any of those things is uh, <laughs> is going to be the next chapter for me um and then please god uh, the musical commitments that i had from 2020 they were pushed to 21 they've been pushed to 22 so i'm i'm excited to be able to to get back on on the road and and fulfill them and and just have an opportunity to to do what I guess we're, we're used to doing for so long. So say it's going to be, I think when normality finally does arrive, it's going to, because we've been in this situation for so much longer than I think any of us thought we were ever going to. I think normality is going to feel so strange to begin with. Yeah. Um, like the first few gigs or whatever it is. And it, yeah. it's going to be, a, I mean, we're obviously working in sort of hospitality. We're in a very kind of odd version mm-hmm. of it. It's a weirder version than I've ever worked in. Um, oh, man, yeah. when it finally does go back to normal it's going to feel so strange for a while it's going to be like okay. uh, the, all the, yeah. all, the all, all these random new habits that we've developed are going to be like null and void anymore and we're going to have to kind yeah. of relearn what we used to do and like 100%. you said kind of hope for this industry it gets us that opportunity to kind of get more people going to the random gigs that are down the road, mm-hmm. that are bands that they've never heard of and all that. Because, so, I mean, we only started Faultline Social because we kind of wanted to do that as a voice for, you know, local bands or whatever it is, like artists okay. from everywhere, just to be, if there's another voice that's saying, go do this, go listen to this, go, like, just go do it, it will help in some way. And we have had artists say to us, like, we're really grateful that you're giving us the window to come and talk. and 100%. And we need more like you because, as I said, it, 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 we rely on people like yourselves to give us an opportunity to be able to, to talk about what it is that we do. And I agree with you completely. I think I think the nature of how it's going to look will be different. And I think it'll it'll be strange for a while. I'm lucky in that I actually had an opportunity to do some live shows in America at Christmas and, and again in March. And it was surreal. It was a strange, strange experience because you're performing to 25%, 35 min- minimum capacity yeah. and everybody's masked, everybody's socially distant. Um, so from an, from a 
business point of view, trying to to get that to to add up when you've still got all the same costs involved, but the venue and the artist are not making the money that you would if you were playing 100% capacity is strange. You've got to take into the factors of, of COVID testing everybody, having a COVID liaison officer there. There's a lot of different factors involved um, that weren't there before. And, and then just from a performance point, point of view, like the actual trying to get that same energy and buzz created in a room when people are socially distanced from each other and a little still apprehensive of the whole thing is is hard you know because they've been out of that for so long getting back into it is strange from an audience point of view but then also as a performer on stage I mean after I came off and I did one of my first shows I was more rattled and nervous coming off the stage than I was going on because it just felt surreal it's it's, it's like as I, I said it's like an athlete who hasn't trained for a year and then is suddenly thrown back into a match or a game and expected to play as well as they did the last time they they played professionally. So you you know your band and just getting that same synchronicity and that vibe and and um you know gel on stage when you just haven't been doing it for so long is going to take it's going to take a little moment for everybody as exciting as it is. I mean we yeah. were all buzzing to just and felt so thankful to be making music and to be actually in front of a live crowd. It was so amazing. But yeah, from it was the whole thing felt so different and so strange. And you kind of go, whoa, this is going to take a little minute to get back into the swing of things because I haven't done this for a while. And and to get back to feeling like me again and feeling like us and what we do uh, is, is it's, yeah, it's going to be a strange one for the head for a while. Well, plus it's going to be that expectation, isn't there? Because people might not have been to a gig in, 12 months, 18 months, whatever it ends up being. And then it's going to be like, well, this has got to be the best thing that we've ever, ever. seen. Exactly. And the, the, but for the musicians on as well, they're going to be like, oh God, I haven't done this in so long. This is, uh, yes. so you yeah, can, I think we're all going to help each other. At a laptop screen for the last year, yeah. you've been talking to yourself in your bedroom. So the reality of actually having an audience in front of you again and, and being in the same room as musicians and creating that sound is, it's a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. So what do you want from, so say we're like New Year's Eve 2021, like years over, what do you want to have achieved by the time that hits? I really would love to see the projects that I've invested a lot of time and energy um, into pre-COVID, but then certainly last year, really trying to, the latter half of last year, as I said, the first half of the year for me was just, I didn't know where my head was at. And I was, you know, painting and cooking banana bread like everybody else and they're all over the world <laughs> um you know so I think for the latter half of the year I really threw myself and, and certainly the best part of this year so far I've thrown myself into anything and everything I can and I really hope that that there's a couple of things I've written a song with my dad for a brand new Irish music show called Fonia or we're hoping to get that out later this year um, I've got a couple of really cool different collaborations I've been working on I've also a load of my own music um, and and a couple of TV things I've done some presenting and, and stuff like that that I'm hoping they're all going to come out later this year and the best part of next year and I hope my goodness I can only hope by the time we get to New Year's that 2022 is not going to look like this year uh, you know as strange as that is I think there was this uh, this conception for a lot of us that by Christmas uh, just passed that 2021 was going to be different you know and, and as I said it just wasn't so I can only hope that by the time we get to New Year's this year 
2022 is going to look different and will actually be different. You know, that we're not getting our hopes up for <laughs> another year of madness, you know, but I do hope that, that things are, are starting to change, start, starting to, to look up for us. And, and I'm, praying to whoever's up there that it just keeps going that way yeah i think i think yeah so fingers crossed for a better sort of end of like second yeah. half of the year and then obviously yeah we all get into 2022 and it is a little bit more like we'd like it to be i think absolutely absolutely yeah. jim i have so enjoyed this chat what a pleasure it was yeah, that's been brilliant absolutely brilliant no this is where really are brilliant. you jim at Birmingham in England. Okay, great, good. But yeah, good. I mean, obviously we'll we'll have you back on at another point. So the next time you get something along, we'll we can do like a follow up and see where it's got something. How twenty twenty one did work out in the end. That'd be awesome. I'd love yeah, that. I'm Super awesome. sir. God bless yeah, you, Jim. Have a great good day. You. And you. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers, darling. Bye.